0: It's time for J.T. the Brick.
1: What's up, J.T.? Woo! Hey, J.T., how you doing, man? Always great to be with the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. So I talk about multiple topics. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Use the phone like a weapon. Wake up this town. You, the waiter Nation, have an opinion. You got that? I think you all get that. J.T. the Brick. JT. I'm on a roll. The out of control fans, the passionate fans, do me a favor and surprise me today. We love Las Vegas. When I retire and walk away, you better throw a party. You won't hear from me again. I promise you, unless you catch me on the golf course, get the blank out of here. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. I'm going to be Mr. Positive. Are you kidding me? Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to be a part of the show. Big boy radio. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now. No, no, no. Here's JT the Brick. Alright out of the gate welcome in jt on a monday coming off one of the hottest weekends of our entire lives if you live here in vegas hope you got through it hope you stayed cool and hydrated as we got another big week ahead a big week this week for us very busy uh just earlier today monday tuesday wednesday i'm hosting mad dog sports radio from 9 a.m to noon and i go right into this noon to two so one of those double dip jt five hour sessions and I'm fresh to go on Monday. Good weekend. Saw Sammy Hagar. Fantastic show over at the Palms. Love that at the Pearl. So I got a lot to talk about from over the weekend. Josh Jacobs is the priority today. We'll get you up to speed on everything nationally and locally on the status of Josh Jacobs and what's going on with his career future here in Las Vegas and any type of concern, speculation, speculation what you're thinking about at this position. We're going to get to all of that here, obviously, with what's coming up here, and a big day today when it comes to franchise tags around the league, especially for the running back position. But what we've been doing in our summer of programming here is we're building the Raiders' all-time team, and I continue that today with the cornerbacks of the Silver and Black. So what we do with these shows is we go for about a day on each position groups, and the next day we pick the, the group that we're going to go with. So cornerbacks we're going to discuss today, and I got to get you going on the cornerbacks because this is an unbelievable group. You know, the first four cornerbacks, one thing, we did that with linebackers, defensive line, offensive line. Now we're into one of the more star-studded categories in Oakland, L.A., and Vegas history. This is it, the cornerback position, star-studded for the silver and black with several gold jackets here. But the second group, the group from five to eight, is the one that I'm really here for to get into this conversation, and I want to hear from you on that because I think we have an understanding who some of the top cornerbacks are, and what we're doing, we're not looking at right side corner, left side corner. I want your top four cornerbacks. I can't be too specific on this. I just can't go with right side corners, left side corners. I want your best four. And then after the best four, then you really got to dive in to the next four. And who are you going to have at number five, six, seven, and 8? And then our honorable mentions, which have probably been about two to three players at every position group. Because, you know, not everybody's going to be considered a Raider all-time great. But they're very good players. And that's what I'm really proud of with this summertime programming is a lot of people like it. Many people have thanked Bobby for the sound and how he's putting this together. And it gives us something to talk about in conversation as we're getting closer to training camp. And the NFL news is really starting to pick up with the Jets going on hard knocks, what's happening with the franchise tag, DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee, which keeps him in the AFC, and how could that affect the entire conference there and some of the other veteran players that are still available. And then we'll get into the position battles with the Raiders once I get to training camp and we get a chance to see. All of that. We're going to be really busy at training camp. We're going to be out there a lot. Uh, My schedule is stepping up. I got some exciting news, what I'm going to be doing throughout training camp, and it's going to be fun. So today we're at the cornerback position here. I put some notes together over the weekend as I watched Steph Curry hit that dramatic putt. How about that, by the way, up in Tahoe, the American Century? Uh, Devontae played up there, Derek Carr, Marcus Allen, all the football players, and Steph (laughs) drains that putt for an eagle on 18 to win it. That was about as dramatic as you can get. On the earlier show I did today, we were talking about crossover athletes. Who are the athletes that can play in multiple sports? We saw Michael Jordan try to play baseball. He wasn't awful. He just wasn't going to make it to the major leagues. Could Steph Curry play golf someday on the senior tour? He's not good enough to play on the PGA Tour. No chance. But if he quit basketball and played golf full time, I don't know, maybe he could. Maybe he could be in a qualifier. You know, he's tried to do this and play at a higher level here. Uh, But that's a topic we'll dive into more after we get through this cornerback uh, debate or conversation. Now, as we begin with this, uh, you could start dialing at 702-365-9200. Please follow me on Twitter if you want to give me your eight corners. uh, Top four in the four reserves at JT The Brick. And tell some stories about the difference between these guys. Who do you think was better? Uh, Some of the names are pretty important here. Uh, Willie Brown was someone that I called a friend. I got a chance to know Willie really well, and he was one of the greatest people I've ever met with the Raiders. He was a player, coach, and an executive. Played at cornerback for the Denver Broncos before coming to the Oakland Raiders, and he turned out being one of the greatest football players of all time. Old man Willie with the interception to take it home for the touchdown in Super Bowl XI, one of the iconic plays in NFL history for a cornerback, and Willie was the culprit who pulled that off. Really a fantastic human being. The king of the bump and run, and there were some others. Al Davis loved the bump and run, and he wanted guys who can do that. And no doubt about it, he was right there at the top of the list, Willie Brown. I'm not going in my order or any specific order. Uh, Charles Woodson, who was also up there at Lake Tahoe at the American Century, is the Heisman Trophy winner in a college football and NFL Hall of Famer. Charles had two stints with the Raiders, first at the cornerback position, Played in Super Bowl 37, and then he played safety on the back end of his career. We'll put Charles in the cornerback category for the great career that he had. As a shutdown corner, great early in his career. Went to Green Bay, and he was a hybrid type of player over there and won a Super Bowl and wanted to come back to Oakland where he did. And now Charles is always around the organization. We represent his whiskey, bourbon whiskey here. Yes, I have a bias for Charles. Uh, Where do you have Charles Woodson? All time. On the Raiders list. You'll hear names like Terry McDaniel. What a great player. You should hear what Eric Allen says about Terry McDaniel, uh, who played cornerback for 11 seasons in the National Football League, mostly with the LA and Oakland Raiders. One of the great athletes to play for this team, a sense for the football. Now, a lot of these guys I'm going to mention here, everybody, were ball hawks, something that we're trying to get the new Raider team to become. Guys who were able to jump routes, guys who were able to tip balls and make plays guys who turned and flipped field position and were impact players. Terry McDaniel was definitely one of those. I like Namdi Asama. You know, Namdi Namdi had some big games for the Raiders. And the key to Namdi as I looked over his numbers was uh, one or two years when they just didn't throw at him. The ultimate sign of respect for Namdi Asamoah was there were a couple of seasons where they just didn't throw at him. And Namdi was on one side of the field and they just avoided him. The ultimate sign of respect. He signed a massive free agent deal with Philadelphia, and he never took his game to the next level. His best years were in Oakland, coming out of Cal. An actor now, married to Kerry Washington, a really good humanitarian in person. Namdi Asamoah. I thought early in his career he had a chance to be one of the all-time great corners to ever play in the game. Uh, Maybe the greatest of all time, and I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about him the next day and a half, is Mike Haynes. Uh, Mike Haynes, I think, could be considered one of the top two to three, four cornerbacks of all time. So you obviously have him on your Raiders shortlist, And his athletic ability, his height, his strength, his length were the key to Mike Haynes, who came over from New England, uh, one of the greatest trades in NFL history, orchestrated by the Maverick Al Davis. Uh, Mike ends up going on winning a Super Bowl with the Raiders and having an impact career. And an unbelievable career because he would have went to the Hall of Fame. Mike Haynes would have went to the Hall of Fame if he stayed his whole career with the New England Patriots. And he was a Super Bowl champion. He was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Two-time first-team All-Pro. Six-year All-Pro second team. He went to nine Pro Bowls. He's on the 80s All-Decade team, the 75th anniversary and 100th anniversary all-time team. He's on every anniversary team of the New England Patriots. He's in the New England Patriots Hall of Fame. And also in the College Football Hall of Fame, along with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mike Haynes, where do you have him there? Also, Lester Hayes, the judge, who we're all proud to say is on the senior committee list. And he is eligible this year for the Hall of Fame. in a vote, and we really got to, that would be in the next group coming up after this Hall of Fame ceremony. We really got to get the push going. Have to get the push going for Lester Hayes, the judge, who had one of the greatest single seasons in the history of this position. In regards to being the best ball hawk hawk in Raider history, no doubt about it, Lester Hayes was the greatest ball hawk and interception machine in Raider history. Uh, We often have him on, we see him a lot. He's a two time Super Bowl champion. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1980, a five time pro bowler, was the NFL interception leader in 1980. I thought that was good enough for the Hall of Fame. He had 39 career interceptions for four touchdowns and if you look at what he was able to do in 1980 and his career and that should be enough for him to gain entrance into the pro football hall of fame i thought it was one of the greatest seasons of all time on top of the super bowls you know he just had the ability to shut down but find the ball he had a season where he had 13 interceptions 13 interceptions what do you say about that Hey, my partner, Eric Allen, on the Raiders pre- and post-game show, you know how many interceptions he's had in his career? I just told you Lester at 39. Eric Allen has 54 career interceptions. Let that number sink in. And he played really good for the Raiders on the back end of his career, mostly known for the years he played in Philadelphia on one of the greatest defenses of all time. A first-team All-Pro in 89, played with the Eagles from 88 to 94, a six-time Pro Bowler. Most interceptions return for a touchdown in a season four in 1993. Think of that. So the interceptions at 54 and the defensive touchdowns at nine have put Eric Allen on a short list since he's retired. Remember, the last game EA ever played in was the tuck rule. The last game Eric Allen ever played, he walked off the field as the Raiders lost to the tuck rule to Tom Brady. And, man, that guy had a lot left in the tank when he left. Ronnie Lott. Is a safety in everyone's mind as we know that, as we look at some of the other names that are worthy for your consideration as we take a look at this uh, group? Stanford Rout, DJ Hayden. This, these aren't all-time guys, but guys I want to talk about. Skip Thomas and the Salt Patrol. He's definitely going to be on this list. It's just where you're going to put Skip, Skip Thomas, one of the greats of all time. And I went through a lot of other names in case you call in. Albert Lewis, D'Angelo Hall. Uh, some of the other names at cornerback along the way. George Atkinson a safety. If you had to slide him around, George did a lot of things. We'll get to him at the safety position. We recently had Casey Hayward, who I think's a very good player. I actually thought he could have stayed around a little bit longer. Really did. I thought Casey Hayward was playing really well under Gus Bradley. They moved in another direction. And Dave Grayson was an AFL cornerback, too, in his time with the Raiders. What a career that he had. Another guy who was some somehow let go by Hank Stram. And Al Davis was thrilled to pick him up. And they made that move for Fred the Hammer Williamson. And Dave Grayson is a name that's been coming up with a lot of guys that I've been texting back and forth with. So we got the list that we're building. A short monologue here. We want to get you going on the phones. A lot of Josh Jacobs talk today. The Raiders are involved in a national conversation today. And if you got anything you want to talk about, remember, don't hold up for training camp. If you got anything with training camp, well, I can't tell you about Jimmy Garoppolo's health. I hear he's, I think he's good to go. I believe he'll be good to go. But other position groups as the Raiders are getting ready to come off vacation and report to training camp. Rookies first. The veterans will come in after that. It'll be hot. It'll be really hot. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like, how early they're going to practice, where these press conferences are going to be, but we're going to have it all locked in for you on the flagship of the silver and black. Raider Nation Radio, the monologue brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. Head on out. I was at the SG Bar over the weekend with a good friend of ours. We had an ice cold Modelo. We sat at the bar, watched a little bit of the American Century. And had a good time. So head on out to any of the 64 locations here in the Valley. 702-365-9200. Couple of important topics today we got to get to. But we begin with our cornerback conversation. Who are the greatest four cornerbacks in Raider history? I'd appreciate it if you'd be specific. Tell me the player. Tell me why you love the player. And how do you rank the top four? And then after the four, how do we round out and get to a number eight with the honorable mentions? It's summertime radio. This has been a great topic for us. And we appreciate it if you jump on in as we continue on the flagship of the silver and black. This is Raider Nation Radio. JT, back with you as we continue on here. We're taking a look at all the all-time cornerbacks as we continue, but I'm also going to pivot to Josh Jacobs today and what is happening with Josh Jacobs as we are back here, brought to you by Resorts World. Was there for a little bit over the weekend. Again, it feels more humid today than it was 1:15 yesterday. I was nuts maybe to go have a cigar, but not at 8 Cigar Lounge. Had a great time there. Resorts World, Scott Sabella's vision for everything happening with sports at Doghouse Saloon. So I wanted to get the monologue in on what we're talking about, the cornerbacks, but I want to pivot now to Josh Jacobs because I got three really good callers on hold that can handle two topics. They can talk about Josh Jacobs, and they can give me their cornerback list. I think that Josh Jacobs is a hell of a football player. I do. And I've always been a company guy, and I'm proud of that. You don't stay on the radio 27 years, 25 with an NFL team, being as opinionated as I am, and I haven't agreed with a lot all the time, but I know where the ledge is. I don't get in front of players' contracts. That's just something I'll live with, and I'm good with it, and it gives me the access that I have. You know, if I wasn't with the team, I wouldn't have access to talk to Josh Jacobs. So if I want to crush Josh Jacobs on the radio and not have a job, then I would sit at home on my podcast talking about Josh Jacobs' contract on my podcast, and that wouldn't be my radio show or multiple radio shows. So I've chosen to stay out of people's business financially. You don't know what I make. I don't know what you make. None of my business. But when it comes to football contracts, when they become official, I comment on them. But this is different. I believe Josh Jacobs deserves a contract extension, more so than the franchise tag. I also know what this regime is trying to do with deconstructing the roster and the limited money they have, and the fact that they need to get better players if they're going to compete consistently to get to the playoffs and win a championship. So it's tough because Josh Jacobs helps you get to the playoffs if you want to get there, but do they have enough to get there even with Josh Jacobs getting a contract extension? Khalil Mack didn't get a contract extension. Khalil Mack was let go in and, and a trade. Josh Jacobs, I think, will probably play on the franchise tag. We got about 40 minutes here. If a deal comes down in the next 30 minutes, would I be shocked? I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be surprised. I'd be happy for Josh. I'd beg will Kiss to get him on the radio with me to congratulate him. Or Q to get them on the radio. And I think we all want to do that. But when it comes to what business means, the business model here is simple. The owner of the team, Mark Davis, the owners in the league, have protection on losing players early with a franchise tag. If not, everybody leave. Everybody leave after their first rookie contract and go, I'm g I am am getting the hell out of here. Well, no. The, the owner drafted the player with the GM to have some type of financial control of the player for a certain amount of time. And that's four years unless you pick up the fifth-year option. And if you don't, you can franchise tag him once. And you have the ability to franchise tag twice. So I understand that this is a business decision. But I also understand I'm a fan and you're a fan. And I know what fans get. You know, there's a lot of tweets out there, pay Josh. Really deep, huh? It took a lot to go P A Seven letters. Pay Josh. We get it. We all want to pay Josh. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. The Raiders have a tool in their front office to franchise tag him and to open up more dollars to make the team better. Is there a risk of alienating the player? Of course. Is there a risk that the player could have a catastrophic injury and never play again? Of course. And you got to hope that the negotiations are done in good faith, And no matter what happens, the player is able to play on a contract now that wouldn't be a long-term contract. It'd be a two-year deal, maybe a three-year deal, or he's on the franchise tag for another year. I think he deserves to get paid. I think he's a hell of a football player. I think a lot of the Raiders' success that they could have this year that a lot of the national media thinks is impossible, every show I turn on, everybody today, national radio show today, saying if Jimmy Garoppolo can't play, tank for Caleb Williams. How's that going to work for me, having to do 18, 19 weeks of coming in every day, dealing with these lunatics who call into the show? And that's a compliment. I like lunatics. I think I'm one of them. I don't want to sit here for four months of my life, Monday to Friday, taking bitter calls from Raider fans because the team's not competitive. I want this team to win more than anybody other than the fans that are diehard and have been born into this great Raider nation. So it's a complex topic. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. Actually, I think Josh Jacobs deserves it more than Saquon because Saquon's missed a lot of games. And Josh even has a heavier workload than Saquon Barkley. So it's a delicate situation. Dave Ziegler's pretty smart. Mark Davis is pretty smart. They know what's at stake here, and they're negotiating. And Josh's side is negotiating for Josh. And it's a a tough negotiation. I wish every running back would get treated with longer-term contracts when they deserve it. I don't know of a running back currently who deserves a contract extension more so than Josh Jacobs other than Derrick Henry and what he means in Nashville to the Titans. I would suggest that Josh deserves a better contract extension than even Saquon Barkley because he's banged up more than Josh Jacobs. So I expect everybody today, if you don't want to get into the cornerback conversation, to get into Josh Jacobs here as we have 35 minutes until the deadline and we'll see what happens and how that plays out. Chris in West Oakland, always good to start us off. What's happening, Chris?
2: Hey, JT, I'm going to hit Josh Jacobs real quick because I want to concentrate on the corners. I'm going to agree with you about one thing. I'd like to see him get paid on one condition. It doesn't break the bank, and you know it, it, it makes it smart for the team to do. Because I said this last year, Josh Jacobs' his first three years missed his share of games. I told you going into the year, it's amazing that guys that always seem to miss a lot of games, but when that contract year rolls about, somehow they've managed to play in 16 or 17 games. All Josh Jacobs showed me he could do last year, stay healthy in a contract year. I'm okay with a guy playing under the franchise tag because it's going to mean he's motivated, and I don't believe these guys are going to hold out. Just look at Le'Veon Bell for what that, you know, what that mm-hmm. did. A guy's not going to hold out and forfeit ten or twelve million dollars. Let him sit out training camp because he's probably not going to play anyway. Just be ready to go in week one. But one other thing about the running backs, JT, and why it's just not as valuable a position, why they don't get the money. Out of the last eleven NFL rushing leaders, seven of them have missed the playoffs. And out of those eleven years, they've got one playoff win between them. It's not the way the game's played anymore. It's more important that Jimmy Garoppolo throws for 4,000 yards this year than Josh Jacobs runs for 1,500. Because if you've got a running back that leads the league in rushing, that means you've probably got a mediocre to slightly above average quarterback at best, and that's just not a way to win in the NFL anymore. And one other thing, if you're going to run the ball that much, the Raiders still don't have the kind of defense to protect that kind of running game. So... I'd like to see him play under the franchise tag, and then maybe somewhere down the line they can work out something reasonable for the team. Let's get to the corners. The top four are all pretty obvious. I'm with you on Mike Haynes. I think you can make the case that he is the best all-around corner in the history of the game. While Dion's unquestionably probably the greatest cover corner, Mike Haynes isn't far behind, but he was such a great tackler. He was big, played all aspects of the game. You couldn't take him out of the game by running the football at him like you could with Dion. He's right there along with Willie Brown. Charles Woodson and Lester Hayes, probably just a notch below those guys. But again, it's a joke that he's not in the Hall of Fame, JT. The last two members of the All-70s decade team to go into the Hall were Cliff Branch and Ray Guy. The last member of the All-80 team not in the Hall of Fame is Lester Hayes. I'm noticing a pattern here with the Raiders. My, so my, my other four cornerbacks, it's almost like you stole my list, JT. I'm Terry McDaniel. People don't understand how great this guy was for a six or seven year period. Almost won Defensive Player of the Year in 1993. And if it wasn't for those other four, he's easily in the top four of the Raiders. Namdi has some great years with the Raiders. He's right there. Dr. Death, Skip Thomas, absolutely. The man, he was kind of overlooked because he played opposite of Willie Brown, but he started on a Super Bowl team and he was one of the anchors of the Soul Patrol secondary. Dr. Death, Skip Thomas, absolutely. But the one I want to talk about, and I like when I picked Billy Cannon. for the tight ends. It's important we don't forget the AFL. Dave Grayson, not only did Dave Grayson have a great run with the NFL, he's the all or the Raiders, he is the all-time AFL interception leaders in the 10-year history of the league. Again, these guys don't get enough credit. They get overlooked because we didn't have Sports Center and all kinds of highlights. But Dave Grayson was probably besides Willie Brown, uh, you know, one of the top two or three corners in the history of the AFL. And my honorable mentions Eric Allen and Albert Lewis, Hall of Fame level type players, just didn't play long enough for the Raiders. And my third one on there, another great Raider that gets overlooked, Kent McLuhan, mm-hmm. with an all AFL selection five or six times, with a flat out stud at cornerback. And again, kind of gets overlooked because he was in the AFL. So I'll call a little more later in the week about the Josh Jacobs situation, JT, but I'm loving these all time Raider, uh, Ra- Raider lists. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm back here from vacation, I'll get a chance to partake in these calls a little bit more. Glad you saw Sammy on Saturday, too, man. Dude, is phenomenal at 75 years old. Later.
1: Yeah, Sammy Hagar, I went and saw him this weekend. It was fantastic. His band was as tight of a band, all-star band, that you could put through. It was that good. Had a great time out there. Saw a bunch of people. Johnny Katz. Our entertainment reporter here in town was there. We just had a really good time. Sammy Hagar, if he comes near you, go see him. The set list was fantastic. Had a good night of rock and roll there. You mentioned some good names. Dave Grayson. Really appreciate that. What about Nehemiah Wilson? Defensive back. Came to the Raiders 68-74. AFL All-Star before he came to the Raiders with the Denver Broncos. Great Raider. I I already have my list. I'm at seven. Okay, I need eight cornerbacks all time. I think the first four are pretty obvious. I think from four, five, six, seven, get really interesting. And then my honorable mentions, like I've been doing, this is one of the biggest classes we have here with all of the groups that we're looking at, position groups. This one could be the most decorated. Could be the most decorated group because it's got a few of the all-time greats on it. And you would put them in your top four, but where do you build it out? And the honorable mentions are going to be really important. But back to Josh Jacobs, we're a half hour down to the decision. A lot of people are asking me, you know, a lot of people are asking me, you know, what what happens with him? Will he sit out? Vinny talked about it on the morning show. If he doesn't sign this franchise tag today, which he should, he's waiting to negotiate a deal. I don't plan on seeing him the entire preseason, which wouldn't be the end of the world. He's a running back coming off a great year completely healthy and will be in football shape. But you like to have a guy like that around training camp. With the young players to just watch a pro be like that. There is a trade off on all of this, but it's not the end of the world. Just like, again, today, someone's saying if Jimmy Garoppolo can't play, you know, people have recovered from broken arms and broken legs. I mean, broken legs in the least amount of time that Jimmy G is supposed to come back from one bone in his foot that they just wanted to have a procedure on. So there's a lot of chaos now in the Raider Nation. This Josh Jacobs story is feeding the machine of anti Raider negativity. Okay, remember you know those old steam engine freight trains where you have to shovel coal in. Remember every every day, NFL Network, ESPN, Fox Sports—they're shoveling coal into the negative Raider train. They want every segment to be negative, everything to be doom and gloom, everything to be sky is falling. This isn't a sky is falling deal. Okay, reports are Tony Pollard deal unlikely by the deadline. He should love this franchise tag. Look at Tony Pollard's number compared to Josh Jacobs. If I'm Josh Jacobs, I'm pretty pissed off that Tony Pollard is making the same as me if he just signs the tag. Josh had a lot better, a much big, bigger year than Tony Pollard. Raider Man, with the podcast coming out, a black hole diehard. Come on in on a Monday. On, Kick on. it off.
3: Kick it off. What's going on, JT? I mean, great to come in behind Chris. Shout out to my brother man Chris from West Oakland out there, man. And you know what? I always dig Chris's opinions and his perspectives. I want to offer a different shade to this perspective that he just offered because I'm looking at the Josh Jenkins situation as this. It's, it's further proof that nice guys finish last. And it's, it shouldn't be that when that nice guy actually finished first. You know, this dude is the league leader, and he's really the identity of this team right now. So even without going into it, because I don't like playing with people's money either, Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to principles, like principles of football, principles of fandom, I mean, we are a nation and all that stuff. You know, we only got so many favors that we can claim. Now, me as somebody who's had my team ripped away from me personally in this lifetime, I'm realizing I'm getting bullied on all sides. All I can do is root, and it's really just because I'm obsessed this way that I'm still rooting the way that I do. Nobody's controlling my fandom. I do. But since they want to turn this and and control it as a business, I hope that they're at least looking at the fact that the majority of people that's making the decisions on what these gentlemen make and as far as what they're worth and what they earn, these people can't do. And they're making judgments based on something that they yearn for that same, they crave that entertainment from said individual. And I think that's wrong. You know, as a, hum- as a human being, it's almost like diminishing the value of another human being. And it's just sad to see that happen when there's so many billions of dollars that's invested in this. And it's a big multi-million dollar machine. And yeah, it will create some negativity because if you don't go along with it, you're liable to get crushed but I do believe in the people that got the right to speak up for themselves. And I think that Josh Jacobs is doing a good thing by betting on himself and believing in himself because I would sure hate to see a talent like that come in demoralized for absolutely mm. no good reason. And then they try to write it off as business. So it's none of my business, but it's all mm. conversation fodder. Yep. And I actually talk about it a little bit on my podcast. Raider Man from Richmond, baby. I'm not here to steal no fame, but I do want to touch the bases of your corners because Judge is on the top of the list for me and that he's fighting for his, his claim to be a Hall of Famer. He doesn't, not, not, not only that he doesn't deserve it because people can quantify by numbers and stuff like that, but the fact that they're right off the stick and all that on him, as if he brought the stick him into the league, I'm not going down that road, but I think that's kind of asinine. That brother deserves to be on that board. C. Wood deserves it because I'm talking about, when you're talking about incredible stories, just as a human being, excuse me, Charles Woodson should be really studied as a, as, a, as, a, as a case for the NFL as a whole. That man battled everything in life, and to see him come back to the Oakland and do his thing under King Al, you know, the best that he could with the organization, you know, it's, it's heartwarming. So it's, it's a bigger story than just that. Mm-hmm. I, actually, i got an honorable mention, Fabian Washington. And I'm, I'm only offering Fabian Washington, not because he was a great corner or anything like that, but because of what he had to go through. I actually wear that same zipper on my torso that he got. And that's a very, very treacherous story that he had to come through. If he wasn't the first overall pick for us, I think he would have been a much better story. OG Terry McDaniels, and I got to shout out George Atkinson, only because I don't want him to ever be forgotten. Please hug George's neck for me. Tell him ready man still love him on everything. And always shouts out to OG Willie Brown, because he's the only one that ever kept Mother's Day alive. I lost mine when I was real, real young. And just to remember, moms, every day, it shouldn't be a yearly thing, but he kept that alive, and that'll never die with me. So I appreciate the time, James. Thank you. I'm looking at you, Doc.
1: Take care, Raider, man. You know, George Atkinson will move him to safety. Even though he did play some corner games, George will be in the safety category coming up sometime tomorrow on the show. What we'll do is we'll wrap up the cornerback's in the first segment, the monologue tomorrow, and then we'll move into safeties. Uh, What we're doing today is compiling people's opinions at JT The Brick, who are the top four cornerbacks of your lifetime as a Raider, and who who are the four reserves? We need help on this with the reserves because the reserves are really good. And we're hearing Terry McDaniel, Eric Allen, you hear the names, Nehemiah Wilson, you go down the list of Dave Grayson, the other players that are available here. It's a strong list. It's a deep list of Raider cornerbacks who have had an unbelievable impact on this organization and the league. No doubt about it. Where do you put Namdi Asamoah, Kent McLuhan, uh, Fred the Hammer-Williamson? Some big names here that play, but I think the top four are going back and forth pretty, pretty much the same, and we'll get to that. You know, one other thing with Josh Jacobs, this is not about what you deserve, because part of it is what you deserve. Part of it is Where you are. Take it from me at a tinier level, not smaller, a tinier level. I've been in radio 27 years. Most of it at really big companies. Fox Sports Radio, Mad Dog, Sirius XM, Lotus Broadcasting here, a behemoth here in town. KNBR in San Francisco. I got lucky. I got to a lot of these big-time stations throughout my career. And then it ends. Another door opens. You go through it. You don't spend your whole career thinking you're going to keep your job. Josh plays that way, which is what I love about him. He doesn't know if he's going to be a Raider for 10 years or a Raider next year. He doesn't know, but he played his ass off. That's what, what it takes to be a Raider. He's checked all those boxes. Now it comes to the fact that financially, does he deserve a raise? Most people believe he deserves a raise. The franchise tag gets him the raise, considering what he could have signed for if the Raiders had him in a 50-year option and what he would have played for. And yeah. Uh, running backs are not getting deals past two years, maybe three years. So whatever Josh Jacobs ends up signing or settling for in his agent's perspective, you're always going to wish it was more. You're going to wish it was more. And I don't think he's going to run out of gas. He didn't play a lot in college. The Raiders used him heavy last year. And you know why they used him heavy last year? He didn't come off the field because he said he wasn't coming off the field. I mean, the coach is in charge, You imagine telling Josh Jacobs last year, hey, uh, we're going into this game against the Niners. You're good. We want to see Zamir White a little bit more. No. This guy was, I'm going to win the rushing title. Don't take me out of the game. I'm not even looking to the sidelines. I love that. I love guys who can play all three downs. That's why we've been yearning for linebackers who don't have to come off the field every two plays. Defensive tackles who don't have to run off the field after first down because they're out of breath. We want guys who can play football at the highest level. Josh Jacobs is one of them. And if all goes right, which I expect it to with Jimmy Garoppolo, Devontae, Michael Mayer, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, Tucker in the slot, and Josh in the backfield, it could really shock the world. This offense, if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the field and stays on the field, is good enough not to come off the field, it's good enough to pick up any. First down off a third down on any given play. They're that much better than the credit they're getting. And they're not getting a lot of credit. They're not. Because everybody is playing boogeyman in their mind. Oh, he's going to get hurt. 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 Why aren't they saying that about Denver? Denver's got a lot of injuries. Do you see the Charger injuries every year with that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Am I the only one who talks about Derwin James never being available? So every time the Chargers, and they run their propaganda on the media and say, oh, I'm picking the Chargers this year to win the AFC, and it's like they're never healthy. But we get it worse here in Raider Nation where they tell you Jimmy Garoppolo, who hasn't played a game yet, is never healthy. So I, I hope Jimmy passes the physical. I'm assuming he's going to, and I hope he plays. But the Charger guys never play. They're always hurt, and you don't hear the same guys with the propaganda telling you how good Denver and the Chargers are, ever going back to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen never being available. But they'll tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be be available, and they have no idea. Raider 66 right here in Vegas. we got a murderer's row to start off the show on Monday. <laughs>
0: hey, how you doing, Jakey? Good, thank you. Yeah, I, I said my piece a little bit on the morning show with Josh, but, you know, if uh, – if, if this groupthink that's going on right now that is devaluing running backs, and you've got a, a tight end in Jacksonville that just got forty-one and a quarter million dollars, twenty-four guaranteed over three years, and in uh, he's played six years. In three of those years, he didn't even catch fifty passes. The last two years, Josh has caught more than fifty passes. Oh, and he's ran a little bit too. So uh, it just puzzles me if uh, Al Davis never went along with groupthink, and if he was still in charge, as long as both sides are reasonable. Uh, this thing would have got done uh, to the cornerbacks. Um, I'm going to run through them quick. Cause I got a couple of stories and I know you're, you're pressed for time here. I got obviously Willie Brown, Charles Woodson. I got Nam D'Asamoah in the starter and Mike Keynes. That means my uh, backups will be the incredible Lester Hayes, Terry McDaniel. I've got Dave Grayson in the uh, safety list too, along with uh, Atkinson. Mm-hmm. So I put Eric Allen and Skip Thomas. Now, Willie Brown, I could talk an hour for this guy. I mean, it's ridiculous what he did in that Super Bowl. Well, he had two touchdowns off interceptions with the Raiders during the regular season. He had three in the playoffs. And they weren't off just uh, some bums either. You're talking uh, a 50-yarder off Greasy in 70, a 55-yarder off Bradshaw in 73, and, of course, that 75-yarder off Tarkenton in the Super Bowl. That, you said it in the opening monologue, uh, JT, these guys were playmakers. They were smart. Uh, Willie did film study and he knew that the Vikings were in a hurry up offense. So he knew what they were going to run. He told Jack, he said, Jack, cover my back. I'm going to jump this. He did went 75 yards for the house. Non the Why is he a starter? He only had 11 interceptions. Well, I'll tell you why you touched on this also in your opening in 2006. He had eight interceptions. Quarterbacks of the uh, league said, okay, we're done. This guy is pretty darn good. The next four years, I believe, 2007, they threw at him 31 times, only completed 10. 2008, 27 times they threw at him, completed 8. 2009, 27 more attempts, 13 completions. And 2010, 27 more attempts, 10 completions. That is a shutdown corner that is a starter in any league. Mike Haynes, what more can you say? Hall of mm-hmm. Fame, guy was smooth as silk. Charles Woodson, one, I think the only guy, this got 20 or more sacks and 50 or more interceptions in league history. Lester Hayes, the, the year he had in 1980, is, is uh, mm-hmm. virtually incomparable. Terry uh, McDaniel. Here's a here's a quick story. Mike Haynes was working out uh, in L.A. at the at the uh, complex, and Al Davis saw him. He goes, uh, Mike, come in here. Want to see this? Al Davis, as he always does, was watching tape of uh, college guys getting ready for the draft. He goes, Watch this, Mike. There was a play in Tennessee. They're uh, inside their own five-yard line. Uh, the other team fumbles it, and a defensive lineman picks it up and starts running the other way. And uh, Mike goes, uh, Al, what am I looking at? He goes, this guy right here. He played it back. It was Terry McDaniel. Terry McDaniel was out of the play. He comes from about 20 yards back, makes a downfield block so the guy could get in the end zone. Al said, that is, the, that is a Raider. He could have just gave up. They had the ball. They stopped the other team from scoring. There's nothing really to be gained. But he ran all the way down the field and blocked the guy to help his teammates score. That is what a Raider is. And then Skip Thomas, Dr. Death, you'll love this story. He didn't give many uh, interviews because uh, early in his career, a reporter kind of mixed his words around and it came up very badly. He taped off his uh, cubicle in the locker room. If reporters went across that tape, he bowed just stuff him in a trash can. He, uh, His his roommate, yeah. Jack Tatum, would would screen everybody. So NFL Films finally got Jack to say, okay, he'll interview him. They so interviewed Skip Thomas, Dr. Death, in a cemetery near his home in Kansas City. I think that is just awesome. Wow! Uh, you have a great day. Thank you. AT. Appreciate it, Raider
1: 66. Great stories. Uh, that's what this was. Summertime storytelling, Raiders' greatest team of all time. That's a really strong list. Again, the honorable mentions – he really summed up Namdi Asimov beautifully. They didn't throw at him. That's really, you know, Namdi did not live up to the hype when he went to Philadelphia. If you ask an Eagle fan about Namdi Asimov, they'll, they'll, they'll spit fire at you. They don't like him because he got a big contract to go there and he didn't live up to it. He was a great Raider. They literally did not throw at him. That's why his numbers were skewed. After the big interception year, they just said, hey, we're, we're going to stay away from him. And that had an impact. He's a very good player. Do I have him on my top four? We'll find out. I have him as number four in my top four, tough to get him in there. 702-365-9200, that opens up a line for you. There should never be an open line ever, especially on a day where we have 15 minutes to the franchise tag deadline with Josh Jacobs. You'll be the last caller before the deadline if you dial in now. Let's hear what you have to say on that. Brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. 35 years of the National Football League that I, that I know the league, Mike Haynes is the best corner. Mike could play deep if he had to. He could play tight bump. He could play off bump. He, could, he did everything. I like to say that a great player will have two or three qualities that set him above everything else, but there's usually a quality or two that they're not quite good at. Haynes had no flaws. You couldn't find him. Ask him to be physical, he'd do it. It's Matt Millen on the career of Mike Haynes. I agree with him. Mike, I know really well. He's around a lot and blessed to know him. I hosted a show with him on NFL radio for a year. We did a year, two years ago, we did a show together. What a gentleman and the gentleman Raider and he could do it all. And that's the way you pretty much sum him up. Is he the greatest Raider cornerback of all time? Where do you have him ranked with Lester Hayes, Charles Woodson and Willie Brown? But personally, Willie Brown's my favorite. I'm biased on that. With Mike and Lester, hoping Lester gets into the Hall of Fame and Charles Woodson, our partner here on the radio. The next four, Terry McDaniel. Wherever you have the list coming in, it's a tough list. Namdi Asamoah, There's some players, and also with other regimes, other recent recent regimes, epic failures at the Raiders drafting corners. I mean, to the point where they they missed out on Hall of Famers. By drafting corners who were busts. I mean, DJ Hayden was actually drafted. He had a massive injury coming out of college, a heart injury, and he was taken. And I mean, Fabian Washington, some of the players that were taken, the players taken right after them, were some of the best players to play in that era. God, what's happened on defense has really held this organization back since Super Bowl 37. It has. You wonder why Romanowski and Eric Allen and Rod Woodson were important here. Because the draft of the players afterwards, there were a lot of misses. Also, countdown to 1 o'clock, the franchise tag We're eight minutes. It doesn't look like something's going to happen here with Josh Jacobs. If it does, it has to happen here in the next 5, 10, 15 minutes. And if it does, we'll tell you first. We'll know first, I can promise you. Or if Ian Rappaport tells us. But we'll know pretty quickly. Houston, out in L.A. Thanks for waiting. You're up next.
3: Hey, hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, I was thinking about cornerbacks and all that stuff, man. And I gotta go old school, man. Mm-hmm. You gotta think about Lester Hayes. He he was a one plus man, physical freak. I don't care about the stick, and he was still making stuff happen, man. He was a great cornerback. Then you gotta go with Mike Hayes, and then y'all took that from me from the beginning. After I heard the commercial stuff, y'all was talking about Mike, I was like, dang, all right. Well, that's one we both agree. The end for number three. I got I, I to gotta go, I got to go, I got to go. Um, shoot, 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 shoot. Of course, of course, Woodson, he's got to be in there. But then I got to even take it further back to number four, with Willie Brown. You mm-hmm. know, Willie Brown's probably number one. So after Willie Brown, I want to give one mm-hmm. uh, special shout-out to uh, Nanday, man, and because when he was a Raider, he was nice.
2: All right, Raider
1: yeah, Nation, nice. Baby. nice job. Appreciate it, yeah. You know, I liked a lot of guys I got to know. T.J. Carey. Chris Johnson. I'm mentioning them all. Stanford Route. We've done a lot with him. Uh, D'Angelo Hall was terrible, but I mentioned him because he's one of the rankings I have have him in the top 20 because his career was the top 20. Tracy Porter. Uh, remember Torrey James. Albert Lewis. There's a lot of names on this list and guys who played at a high level. Eric Allen, my partner on Raiders pre and post. But I think the top five or six are pretty obvious, and we'll have that list for you tomorrow. In the monologue, if you have a comment about Josh Jacobs, I planned on doing 50-50 today on corners and Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs is the priority. This is summer fun programming on our top cornerbacks of all time, but Josh Jacobs is a bigger topic today if you have a comment on him. We're under five minutes to go before a decision is made. 702-365-9200. Sawed off in San Diego. You're up next. What's happening?
4: Hey, what's up, JT? Good. Know, man, out here. I've been working with Raiders Fan Convention for a long time. And, um, you know, just growing up, I'm an L.A. Raider, and I mm-hmm. used to watch all these guys play, play on TV. And then I got the opportunity to meet them, you know, meet them, be friends with them. They call me to see how my kids are doing and stuff like that. I mean, it's just a lovely thing. So let me start by saying my opinion is a little bit biased mm-hmm. <laughs> because Lester Hayes, bro, that's my dude. Uh, Mike Haynes, he lives here in San Diego. Uh, I hear he's moving to Las Vegas soon, but that's my dude, you know what I mean? And those guys, I'll tell you, growing up, I used to watch them every single weekend. When I played football for high school, I played, I played with number 37. I wore 37. Uh, when I was younger, I wore 21 because of Cliff Branch. But Lester Hayes, that's my dude. But I got to give him my number one. My number one is The Godfather. That's Willie Brown. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, talking to Lester, talking to Mike Haynes, talking to uh, Charles Woodson and talking to all these guys, all of them will tell you that Willie Brown was their father. That's the dude. That's the man that taught them everything. It was all about bump and run back in the days. And and, and Lester, a big guy, you know, he's a, he's a big corner. He, he'll push these guys around. He'll bully you. And Mike Haynes, he'll stay in your back pocket the whole time. Um but Willie Brown is the Godfather. I got to go with uh Charles Woodson mm-hmm. as well. And let me tell you something that Cliff Branch told me. I asked Cliff Branch, I said Cliff, man, what makes you so uh like so hot on Sundays? Like what makes you what makes you dominate cornerbacks? And you know what he told me. He said, "Man, start off. On Sundays Sundays was a was a walk in the park." Compared to practice. Because all week I went to I went up against Uh, uh, Brown, Old Man Willie. I went up against Lester. I went up against Mike Haynes. I went up against Charles Woodson. I went up against the best in the business. So Sunday came around. Yeah. There was no there was yes. no, uh, no, 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 magic. Appreciate whatsoever. the call.
1: Thank you. He didn't go up against Woodson, but he went up against those other guys. And no doubt about it, iron sharpens iron. That's what was great about Bolitnikov, Branch, Christensen, all the, Tim Brown, who they went up against in practice, and that's what the Raiders have to get to now. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor just tweeted just over uh, five minutes remaining for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders to get a deal done before he's locked into the $10.9 million franchise tag. Vic Tafer. Two minutes ago, we won't be seeing Josh Jacobs for a long time. So when we come back, it's the deadline. Uh, Be the first to react to it. Uh, There is no official news yet from the Raiders or NFL insiders. Uh, Ian Rappaport, two minutes ago, no deal for Giants star Saquon Barkley with talks going down to the wire. Best efforts made with a compromise. He'll stay on the tag, but the question is when. And we'll dive into Josh on the other side.